on a broader point, I mean, if you went back to the 1950s and you were in the room when local authorities, governments at every level were, you know, removing trams, public transport networks to make way for more roads, you'd think, you know, what on earth are you doing? I'm Jessica Jones-Langley, and this is 15 Minute Cities. So that was Josh James, who spoke at a 15 Minute Cities event, which discussed the challenges that local governments in Wales were having in encouraging more walking and wheeling. And Josh is from Living Streets, the charity for everyday walking, and he spoke alongside Christine Boston from Sustrans Cymru, who gave a presentation about the recent report from Sustrans looking at transport for all, in particular those who have mobility issues. And while the conversation went in various directions, what really struck me about this talk was that the findings of this report and another report that Josh will touch on were actually really relevant for everyone. So in this 15-minute episode, timed exactly to reference the idea of 15-minute cities, Christine and Josh will talk on the need for inclusive infrastructure that considers people with mobility issues. And what I found really interesting was the broader benefits that it can bring to the entire community. So we'll start by hearing Christine quickly covering the main findings from the report. And if you're not familiar with their work, Sustrans is a charity making it easier for people to walk and to support organisations and cities in creating a society where the way we travel creates healthier places and happier lives for everyone. We found that nearly half of disabled people said that they often experience problems reaching their destination on a typical walking or wheeling journey due to accessibility barriers. So that is things like pavement clutter, road crossings, things like that. And it actually increased to two thirds for those with mobility impairments, visual impairments or learning disabilities. In the UK, disabled people take 38% fewer trips than non-disabled people across all modes of transport. And that is known as the transport accessibility gap. And one reason for the gap is that our streets are often inaccessible and unsafe for disabled people to navigate. The inquiry also found that 88% of disabled people across England and Wales would find having more services within walking or wheeling distance of where they live useful in helping them to make more active travel journeys. And in terms of recommendations from the work, those taking part felt that we needed a dedicated pavement fund, which really would recognise pavements as transport infrastructure so that people can make more active travel journeys. They wanted to see a ban on pavement parking. And so we welcomed the Welsh Government's approach to this and, you know, urged them to think very seriously about how the new measures for pavement parking can be enforced. And also they wanted better planning of neighbourhoods that would allow disabled people to live within walking or wheeling distance of services and amenities. And of course, that's the same for everybody. So our case study is of Mark, who lives in Swansea. And he says, pavement parking is a real problem because I've got to go on the road with my guide dog, Bobby, and he can't tell me if there are any cars coming. On a 200 yard walk, this could happen maybe four or five times. Low flower beds in Morriston are quite a trip hazard too, as are all the tables, chairs and advertising boards outside shops in Swansea city centre, and I'd like to see those changed. I just want to make the point that the recommendations put forward did not only benefit disabled people, but the benefit all of us, because we might all have been using the pavement with a pushchair or with a pram at some point, 
we may be unfortunate enough to have some sort of accident in the future that temporarily affects our mobility. Or as we get older, we'll likely find that we can't just quickly, you know, walk on the road to pop around that car that is taking up the safe space on the pavement. So, you know, we then have to put ourselves in a position that places us in the path of danger. We believe that infrastructure development has to take into account the needs of disabled people. And actually, if you design a space that is fully accessible, you know you are designing a space that works for everyone. Lots of really great points in there and lots of things that Living Streets fully endorse. So again, that's Josh James from Living Streets, the charity for walking. Some of you might be aware of our the Clutter campaign, which really focuses on the barriers that are put in place for people with disabilities, as well as other people who want to use the pavements and find that actually they can be quite inaccessible at times because of what we describe as clutter, non-necessary infrastructure on, on the pavements. And I think a lot of the time we do think about active travel, and this is something that's very much our focus as an organisation. When we think of active travel, we think of cycling, we think of cycling infrastructure. But actually the most common, most accessible and most affordable form of active travel is walking. And it's the one that most people do every day without even really thinking about it, thinking of it as active travel, you know, pop into the shops, whether they're walking or wheeling, which is the term we use for those that are in wheelchairs or use other mobility aids. When we think about active travel, we should be thinking about all types of active travel. And when we think about 15 minute cities and we think about the infrastructure we want to put in, then we do need to make sure that it is accessible for everybody and that it does include walking and wheeling. It's hard increasing active travel rates is a really difficult task and you know we've we've put a lot of effort into it over the last decade and seen so far not a huge reward but it is a necessary move that we need to make and we need to be much bolder as well and I you know have a lot of sympathy for councils that do maybe feel like stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard face in terms of delivering on this because there is as we've seen recently with the backlash around 15 minute neighborhoods complete misinformation but you know there is a small group of people that will shout quite loudly about it but what we were also seeing is is that the need for more active travel is growing I think we also need to think not just about the active travel infrastructure that those that active travel currently are asking for, but to think about the active travel infrastructure that is needed to get those who aren't traveling actively at the moment out into the roads and streets. So what would you say is really needed to create these 15-minute cities or neighborhoods? First thing is making some of the changes that we really need to see to create 15-minute neighbourhoods or or cities. They're not vote winners, are they? And that is a a significant barrier, I think, for local authorities. And what we really need to be talking about is a culture change. And, uh, you know, there are moves, aren't there? I've seen some um, billboard campaign posters from Welsh Government starting to move in that direction. And it is about the broader issue around climate helping people to understand how changing some of their journeys, their short journeys, will have a positive impact on climate change and that it's everyone's responsibility to think about how they travel and make their journeys differently where they can. So the engagement is really key, helping every individual understand how they fit with the bigger picture. 
Another challenge that we see, that I notice quite a lot, is that when we're talking about active travel routes and change, the decisions are taken within the transport team. It tends to sit in the transport department, and that means conversations are focused on infrastructure. That's what transport money can pay for. We've got capital funding we can spend on infrastructure, so tend to focus on putting in cycle routes. But it needs to be bigger than that if we really want the change. It is about how we can join up more effectively because really it needs involvement of regeneration, you know, play, the placemaking aspects, health, environment, education, social care. I could go on. It has to be across all departments and not something that's just a transport thing and a small part of the transport piece at that. And then my third point is around the inclusion piece. We need to think about the broad range of needs. What we tend to see is plans that are about A to B journeys. And, you know, we know that women in particular don't make A to B journeys. You know, they are taking their children to nursery, to school, going to the shops, going to work, going back home, maybe other care trips. And that needs to be considered. We had an event a couple of years ago with Sophie Howe, who was the Future Generations Commissioner. And I thought she made a really good point. She said, we need to stop talking about, you know, making it safe for 12 year olds. But we need to think about the mum who is on a bike with an eight year old and a wobbly four year old. You know, and I can really relate to that. And I see on the school run every day, parents who are concerned about the risk around taking their children to school, whether they're on foot, whether they're, well, you know, I don't see so many on bikes because I think that's how high they think the risk is. And so, you know, we need safer streets. We need more school streets. We need, you know, more streets close to traffic, particularly at certain times of day around the schools. We need, you know, wider pavements, safer routes, protected cycle routes so that everybody can make those active travel journeys for those daily trips that we are all making. And so, you know, overall, I think the solution has to be about a joined-up approach with inclusion at the heart. At Living Streets, we've just launched a report that was funded by DFT, Slips, Trips and Balls, which estimates around £500 million a year is spent through the NHS and through, through other forms, making up for the damage that is caused and the effects of uneven, broken and poor pavements in the UK. So actually, you know, having good quality pavements will make a big difference, better streets for people to walk on, less dangerous. We want people to be able to walk. And to do that, we need to not have people parking on the streets. Obviously, Welsh government are doing lots of really good stuff and we're, you know, one of their stakeholders working on this to make sure that local authorities have the ability to start enforcing and ending pavement parking. And I think, you know, there needs to be a workforce development plan because, um, you know, we would expect that the level of skills that are required to deliver the Welsh Government's vision, you know, are much greater than we have in the active travel sector as a whole in Wales. So there needs to be a real plan for how we're going to tackle that challenge. And then, you know, there's not enough funding for local authorities to be, really be able to do the engagement in the best way and to deliver the inclusion piece within that as well. So there needs to be consideration of how we build that in. And then in terms of division, you know, uh, you know, I kind of shared Sushant's vision. What we want is safe, 
healthy, vibrant green spaces where people can, um, you know, walk out of their homes, they're straight into green space. There are places to sit, nice places to be, places people can come together. They can connect to the things that they need really easily, either within walking and cycling distance from their home, or if it's further away, then through good public transport network. I think that, you know, Welsh Government have that vision for a sustainable transport future and for connected communities, but we need to all pull together behind that and really make sure we can bring it to life. So we're coming up to the 15 minute mark and I'd really like to share the last quick thoughts from both Josh and Christine about the challenges and opportunities that they see in supporting and encouraging active travel or walking and cycling in general, but also specifically in Wales. Wales is a diverse nation with villages, towns, cities and the challenges I think that we have in small towns and villages, those rural areas actually are unique. We've got a lot of solutions for active travel in the city and in urban environments, but we do also need to think a little bit more about rural environments as well. On a broader point, I mean, if you went back to the 1950s and you were in the room when local authorities, governments at every level were, you know, removing trams, public transport networks to make way for more roads, you'd think, you know, what on earth are you doing? But at the time, it seemed like that was the way everything was going, that we were making space for more private vehicles. We've got to make sure that the changes we introduce for active travel, for transport across Wales are fit for the future and are, you know, lasting infrastructure changes that are built to support everybody. Yeah, I just, you know, had thoughts about about a final point that I think is worth throwing in. I think there's going to be an opportunity here to grow the workforce. And in doing that, I think we should really focus on diversity. It's not extremely diverse um, in active travel and in the transport sector at the moment. And if we were able to increase diversity, we would have a better understanding of the needs of a wider range of individuals in the community. And that would lead to, you know, more effective um, schemes. So I'd also like to add one point that Josh touched on before, which is reality. So with the 50 Minute Cities concept, usually we literally think of cities and not often of smaller towns or villages. But these areas are equally important, yet they don't often receive the funding that other areas get. For example, they don't get the funding to improve roads in a way that's really conducive to cycling or walking. So my point is, whatever role you're in, do remember the villages, small towns and the countryside when transport planning. And 15, which power this podcast, does this actually in a couple of ways, including designing a bike rental system that works in partnership with the regional train lines. And this just helps people to make sure that they have a sustainable journey option instead of driving. So for more information on these bike plus train services, visit 15's website, 15.eu. So I hope this conversation has got you thinking and in particular thinking about the perspective when you're thinking about your city. How would this project work with someone in a wheelchair, with a pram, someone on crutches? And to Christine's point about diversity in the workplace, what can we all do in our respective roles to increase diversity and increase understanding of all the different aspects that go into planning a project? A big thank you to Christine Boston from Sustrans Cymru and Josh James from Living Streets who spoke with me in the 15 Minute Cities community earlier this year. To find out more about the 15 Minute Cities community and to attend some of our events, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter. The website link will be in the description.